We welcome you to the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe God has a message for you today that will encourage and speak truth to your heart and life. Let's join Pastor Melanie Bertolio as she shares the word with us today. Welcome to church, everybody. We're so glad to be into December. Can you believe it's December? Is that just like a thing that happens when you get older? I don't think so. I think I remember feeling that way when I was younger, but we spent an entire, almost entire year, 11 months now, we have been talking about faith. That's been our, our, um, our theme for the year, our vision. And in just a, a, about a month, we're going to get a brand new vision for 2024, but we're not out of 2023 yet. And we've been talking all year long about faith and about how the just shall live by faith. We've talked about what it means to live by faith, what it looks like when you live by faith. We've talked about how to grow your faith. We've talked about faith heroes. We, we, we did an entire series on the names of God so that we could build faith in the character of who God is in our lives. Matter of fact, Wednesday night, we did our last one in that series, and we, uh, we finished up with Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm so glad that, th- that it worked out for us to, to do that right as we are going into the Christmas season, because we get to hear what it actually means that God himself was on the earth. The Son of God, who is also God, was here. And the implications of that have changed all of us forever. And, and now here we sit in the first part of December and, and, and we're entering into, as Pastor was kind of talking about it as he was leading us into to our time of tithes and offerings, he's talking about how, you know, we need to go into this Christmas season with the right attitude. We need to go into this Christmas season um, with love in our hearts and with the right way of thinking. And, and, and the reason that that needs to be said is because so often we don't. Yeah, that's right. no, that's so- or we really have plans to, but we get hung up on things that if, if we're being honest, really don't matter. You know, the, there's that saying that says, don't sweat the small stuff. And in reality, it's all small stuff. But something happens to us sometimes in December and we wind up sweating a lot of small stuff. And uh, I think that it's really important that we, we get the right frame of mind uh, as we enter into this last month of the year. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to be believing God uh, that he's still going to teach us something about faith in this last month of the year. Um, so yesterday, the CM women... We had a Christmas party. Oh, it was a woohoo, all right. I don't know what to think about a few of the things that I saw there. Um, we did a few games. Rachel, uh, our children's pastor, was in charge of the games, and, and she did not fail in coming up with some things that, that really, quite frankly, just brought out true colors. We did, a, we did a Hallmark movie theme activity where different, we had to make up Hallmark movie ideas, and that was interesting. 
Rachel got married. <laughs> Shelby got married. Um, lots, of, lots of love in the air with all that stuff, you know. That's, that was fun. Um, some of our women have some, quite frankly, weird senses of, of weird imaginations. <laughs> but it, no, it was all fun. It was all really fun. Susan Scove, she got up there, won the whole thing. Yeah. So that was good. Michelle is happy about that. But I got to tell you, the most disturbing thing that happened there <laughs> was this game we played. And, and Rachel told me when she, she mentioned it, she said, you know, this is going to bring out the competitive. We're going to see in the first round who the most competitive people are in our, our women's group. And we did. We definitely did. We, we saw it in the first round, but really... We saw it in the last round. It came down to sweet, beautiful. I mean, she always looks like a Barbie doll to me. Meredith Mulder. She is so put together and beautiful, and she's got such a sense of style. And she had high heels on doing this. Came down to Meredith. And sweet, little pregnant, Joanna. And it was a physical game. And they're, 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 they're going for a cup. I mean, the, they didn't even know if there was a prize. They were just trying to be the first one to grab a cup off the floor. And when they both went for it, the cup goes flying. And I see two of the most competitive women I've ever seen in my life hit the ground. Yes, pregnant Joanna. Now, she didn't hit her belly first, but pregnant Joanna goes down and two women scratching and clawing, chasing across the floor this cup. And... And I've got to tell you something. Meredith had no mercy for the pregnant woman. None. Meredith was the big winner. Woo! But I want to tell you something. I loved every minute of what we did yesterday in our, our, our Christmas party because I just saw people I love, laughing and loving each other. And that's what it, that's what being a Christian, that needs to be our focus. I'm not saying that we don't go through tough times. I'm not saying some of you might, might not have been able to be there because there was something hard in life going on. Now, if there wasn't something hard in life going on, you missed out. I'm just telling you. But, um, but I'm just saying, there are hard things that we have to deal with. So I'm not, please don't hear me that I'm saying that Christianity and being a life as a Christian should just be all roses and nothing bad ever happens. That's not it. But people should look at us and see the joy that we have. Pastor did an entire sermon on it last week. Fullness of joy. People ought to look at us and be able to sense joy. 
And yesterday we had some joy, girls. Come on, that was good. Last week, last Sunday, when we ended our service, did we have joy? All right. We shouldn't have to, to have an event to have some joy. I just love seeing people that I love love each other. And that's what yesterday was all about. Jesus said this about love, about how we should love one another. In John chapter 13, verse 33, he says, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Today we're going to talk about love by faith. All right, we've been talking about living by faith. The just shall live by faith. Well, here's what I want you to know. The just love by faith. Now you think that through. It takes faith to love people sometimes. And we're going to talk about that. See, when Jesus was talking here, when he's giving this commandment, he's saying, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. I mean, that, he, he might as well be standing right here saying this to all of us. Love each other. He wasn't talking to lost people. He wasn't talking to the people of the world. He was talking to a room full of people who had said, we believe in you, Jesus. We commit our lives to you, Jesus. And he was saying, okay, then love each other. And when you do that, the end result is that you prove to people that you are my disciples. I think most of us in this room would put ourselves in the category of, of believers. We have made that commitment to Christ and, and we have said, we believe in you. We believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. We believe he came to the earth. We believe that he lived among us, that he died on the cross, that he was resurrected. We believe that and that he's now in heaven and he's going to come back one day. We believe. We have faith for that. I think it's interesting that we have faith to believe that story, a, a, a virgin birth, a man who lived a perfect and sinless life, who died in our place, who took the sins of all mankind on himself, who, who was raised from the dead and ascended back up into heaven. We believe that. We have the faith to believe that. Right. That's a pretty out there story. But we don't have the faith to believe that God can help us love one another. If you put yourself in Jesus' shoes and consider this, he knew that he was getting ready to die. Okay, so let's just say that you know that you're getting ready to die. I mean, you know that your death is imminent. What kinds of things are you going to say when your death is imminent? You know this. Hey, make sure that every time you leave the room, you turn the lights out. Hey, be sure, honey, and get your... Come here, Rick. Would you just please forever and ever make sure that you change the oil in the car every three to 5,000 miles, please? 
eat your vegetables. Come here, my son. Come here, Ben. Honey, eat your vegetables. Make sure and get back at all the people who made you mad. We're not going to say stupid stuff like that, are we? What do we say when, we're, when our death is imminent? We say the most important stuff. So Jesus, Jesus, that was chapter 13. In chapter 12, he's anointed with oil, the expensive perfume. He's anointed with that. And he says, this is, is, is being done to anoint me for my burial. He knows that death is near, very near. So what is he doing in this moment? He's saying the most important stuff. And he says, love each other. You, you're not going to, to just be saying willy-nilly stuff. You're going to be choosing your words carefully. Why? Because you know you're not going to have that many more opportunities to speak. And so Jesus knew that too. So he was saying the most important stuff. In, in, earlier in this chapter, in chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he teaches us the importance of serving each other. He says, serve each other. He's teaching us to serve each other. I don't know if we're getting that. Each other. See, people get this backwards a lot. Jesus told us to go into the world and make disciples and preach the good news to the lost. He told us to love and serve each other. And what happens when we do that, we prove to the world that we're his disciples. See, when we make disciples, when we're out there making more disciples, when we're making more disciples, then we're, we're making more people to love and serve. But really, we need to preach that good news to the lost people Bring them in, make them a disciple, and then love and serve them. Because once we make them a disciple, they are part of each other. But we've got this idea that we're supposed to go out and we're supposed to serve, 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 serve lost people. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying it's perverting the instruction that God gave us because we're supposed to love and serve each other. When we preach the good news, people have the option to be in or be out. And and, and when someone doesn't receive our message, what did Jesus say? He said, shake the dust off your feet and move on. He didn't say stay and keep serving them and hoping that maybe they will, will do, finally give in. It's kind of like what Chavin said about worship today. It wasn't like an endurance contest to see who could just badger someone long enough that they would get, come into the fold. No, you preach the good news. They have the option. And if they choose to serve God, then guess what? We, we, we love and serve them. We don't hate the people who are lost. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just, I'm telling you that, that we get things a little backwards Um, In Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
your soul, your mind, and your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Jesus tells us over and over and over to love people. And this is going to be one of those messages that if, if you're not careful, you're going to go just check the box. Okay, listen, another, another message on loving people. Okay, woohoo, yee, yeehaw. I'm just telling you, we're going to get to something that I think might make us second guess whether or not we really do this well. Love is the reason that Christ came. He modeled love for us, the real kind of love. He, did, he, he wasn't soft in the sense of he didn't, he didn't tiptoe around our sin. He didn't, he didn't, you know, love them, you know, emotionally without giving them truth. He loved people with the truth. But he loved people. He showed us how to love. He always chose love. He never made an excuse for not loving someone. And we do that a lot. We make excuses for not loving people. He didn't have a list of all the things that that this person had done or that person had done that that justified not loving them. He He wasn't so stressed out that he couldn't love people. Okay? We use that as an excuse to not be loving, to not serve people. He didn't say, I tried to love that person and it didn't work. He just loved He didn't compromise truth to love, but he loved. And as we enter the Christmas season where the whole goal is to celebrate Christ, I can't think of a better way to honor him than by doing what he said, which is to love and serve people. He tells us to love each other. He doesn't say it's not a suggestion. He doesn't say, oh, it makes my heart so happy when I see you love each other. He says, do it. I look around at the condition of the world we live in right now, and I just cannot believe the ungodliness that is not only accepted in our country, but it's promoted. And I think, how could this be happening in a Christian country? And I, I, I've, this has just been on my heart and my mind a lot lately. And so I looked up a... a, a I just kind of did some Google searching and, and, and happened on a Pew Research study that shows that there has been a significant decline in Christianity in the last 50 years. And that's basically my lifetime. I mean, my lifetime's a little longer than that, but I'm just saying that's basically my lifetime. The last 50 years, there's been a sharp decrease in people who are professing to be Christians. And so, so that, that really does correlate with the ungodliness that we see. It makes sense that when there are less godly people, there would be less godliness. And when you leave God out of the equation, you never get the right answer, ever. And there's a lot of people in our world right now that need the right answers. And they think they have them, and they don't. So I wanted to know why is, is, is our faith in God as a country, why is it waning? So I went to Barna, a Barna website, which is a, a, a Christian organization, but it's highly regarded. Um, who, who do, they do a lot of research and have a lot of statistics to, to uh, 
to help you understand kind of where, where we stand on issues in, in our country. And, and I found an article, and it says this. The title of the article is this. Openness to Jesus isn't the problem. The church is. And I'm like, hmm. I don't like it when people start beating up on the church. So I went into this article just a little bit miffed at the idea behind it. And it's a pretty long article, so I'm not going to bore you with all of the details. And you can go read it for yourself if you're interested. But the gist of it is this, that people are open to Jesus. That the majority of people across the country have a favorable opinion of Jesus. They have a favorable opinion of the Bible. And, and they, the only problem is they don't have a favorable opinion of the church or any of the people in it. I, I mean, I, I would love to tell you that it's just the pastors they don't have a favorable opinion of. But the fact of the matter is they don't have a favorable opinion of any of us. And, and I don't want us to get on the wrong... I don't want to go on the wrong way here because we can... I get, I get pretty frustrated when people are bashing the church. Because the church belongs to the Lord. That's right. That's right. And when you're bashing something that God has ordained, I think you are, are in dangerous territory. And I see a lot of people posting stuff on Facebook that I think that is not acceptable. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be accountable for our behavior as the church. So there, there, there's two ways to think about that. And so... So I'm asking myself, why in the world do people, are people open to Jesus and yet Christianity is, is, is waning? Christianity is, is less and less people are becoming Christians in our country every year. As a matter of fact, um, you know, we, we've talked about these statistics in the past, but, uh, you know, most of the people in the country still very... Uh, eagerly will tell you that they are Christians. Oh, I mean, it, it's still in the 70s, I think 70s, 70 percentile, something like that. But this, this, this research study shows that they think by the, or the Pew Research study showed that by, the, by um, 2070, they expect Christianity to not be the majority re religion in the USA. And I mean, there's a lot of people who would argue that it's probably not now. Um, and I would, would maybe even get on, on board with that when you talk about people actually living their lives through with the, the Bible as their lens uh, that they see everything else through. But there's research to show that we're very close to not being a Christian nation anymore in terms of the majority. One of the bylines in the article says this, it says, Americans like Jesus and his message, but not so much as messengers. That made me sad. Because they've got statistics uh, to back up what they're saying. And I don't like that. Because, the, because we just read in John chapter 13 that we're to love each other. And when we do, we prove to the world that we are the disciples of Christ, right? And if they love him, then the disconnect has to be that we are not loving each other. Does that make sense? 
But I also don't want us to get in the, wrong, in the ditch. Because we're not to love each other with this, um, with a, a, an unholy type of love, which, which the world often uses. And that's the type of love where we just approve of and condone everything that God hates. So I'm not, not trying to advocate for that even a little bit. In John 15, verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. So I'm not suggesting that we befriend the world... Okay, in James chapter 4, verse 4, it says that the friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. And it says, I say again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So I'm not looking, you got to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we're supposed to go out there and befriend the world and love on them with this unrighteous type of love, which doesn't draw them closer to Christ. It just makes them feel better. That's not what we're going for. But those two passages that I just read you, where it says, if, if, if the world hates you, it's because they hate me. And if you make yourself a friend of the world, then, then you make yourself an enemy of God. Both of those verses are talking about people who openly hate God. And I want you to see the difference is this. This, this research study is talking to about people who are saying we are open to the message of Christ. But we just don't, we don't like what we're seeing in the people of God. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? We are to separate ourselves from the world. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. But here is the problem. We have been given responsibilities. We've been given instructions. I was talking to Chris Johnson earlier this week. We were talking about kids and chores. Here's the deal. God gave us some chores to do while he's gone. And we're not doing our chores very well. As a, And I'm not talking about... CMC. I'm talking about the greater church. We're not, I mean, if God came back right now, he'd catch us without having done our chores for the day. He told us to love each other. And that can be a chore. But in Matthew 5, verse 14, it says, You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let your good deeds shine for all to see. Our good deeds are loving each other and serving each other. So this article is saying that the majority of people think favorably of Jesus and they think favorably of the word of God. They just don't think favorably of us. Why? We're not making the impact that we want because we're not shining our light. I mean, we go to church. We post Christian memes. We talk about 
our church. We tell people about how, how, how you know, church is important, but we don't talk about our relationship with God and we don't talk about how much we love people and we don't, they don't see us serving. See, we think that going to church and posting memes and, and, and getting on social media and preaching to people from there, we think that's shining the light and it's not. We, we, we give ourselves a pass and we say we shone a light this week because we got on social media and we put a message out that was just this broad message that we hoped somebody picked up on. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But when it tells us to shine our light, that is not what it's talking about. It's talking about loving each other and serving each other. It's talking about looking across this room and finding all the people in here that you love and going, okay, I'll serve them. But it's also talking about looking at the people in this room that may not be your favorites and going, but I got I to gotta serve them too. I mean, we're, there's too many people in here for us to all just really like each other a lot all the time. I mean, I'm the principal of school. I have to deal with not being liked sometimes. And it stinks. I don't like, I don't like that at all. But I'm grateful for, for parents who say, well, I don't really like her right now, but I'm going to love her and I'm going to serve her. Why? Because that's what Jesus told me to do. We've got this idea that shining light is easy and it's not. When pastor preached on fullness of joy, we learned that God has joy. God has a joy that is his that he wants to give to us. But he can't do that if we're refusing to do what he says to do. Six, uh, Psalm 16:11 says in the in the presence of God we can experience fullness of joy. But we can't shine a light if we spend no time in his presence. And lack of joy is always born, uh, born out of a lack of time spent with God. Shining our light is when we love and serve other people without expecting anything in return. When we love and serve people without hoping that someone notices. Without patting ourselves on the back for being such a great Christian. It's having the right attitude when you, when you serve them. I got to be honest, you know what, this was born, this whole sermon idea was born out of a couple of events that I have, have had to, lead, not had to, gotten the privilege of leading lately. We had the volleyball banquet, and then yesterday we had the Christmas program, and I love doing stuff like that. I absolutely love it. Except for one part. I hate the cleanup. And I don't mean I hate the cleanup, like as in I just kind of don't like it. I mean, I absolutely hate the cleanup. When it's over with, I just want to be transported up out of the building, over to my home, and onto my couch, or transported up and in, into some cute little boutique where I can shop. Or, but I don't want to do the cleanup. And God has been dealing with me over this, this idea of wanting to do the cleanup because I so love planning, 
But here's what's happened a few times in, in the last few years is I do all the planning for something like that. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty good at executing the plan. And then we start the cleanup. Okay, well, here we go. And I find myself looking around and thinking, well, I wonder why they're not helping. Golly, it sure would be nice to just go home when an event is over with. Boy, my back is hurting over this sink, washing all of these dishes. And, and God told me, he said, you have had a terrible attitude the last few years when you've been doing some of these, these events. And so before that volleyball banquet, I mean, he really kind of hit me hard. And he said, you, none of what you're doing means anything to me because you're doing it with the wrong heart and the wrong attitude. You need to be able to walk in that kitchen and have the same amount of joy while you stand over that sink and wash dishes as you had when you were getting all the, everything ready to go. Well, that's just, and here's what I would like to say to God in that moment. You know what? You made me like this. You created me with the personality that just wants to have fun all the time. Why can't I do that? Why can't I just have fun all the time? Well, because you know what? God put us on the earth to work. Didn't he? He told us, here's the earth, now tend it and take care of it. Well, part of tending and taking care of is washing the dishes when it's over with. I don't like that. But God, it sounds silly, but God really has dealt with me about my attitude. You have got to change your attitude, Melanie. And you're not truly loving the people that are coming for your event, not my event, but for this event that you're planning. When you get mad at the end of it over having to sit there over the hot sink and washing dishes. And by the way, I didn't wash a single dish yesterday after the thing was over with. Glory to God, we had a lot of help. And, and here's the thing, most of the time we do. I don't know why I, I get mad about it. I just, you know, that's, that's a thing that I have to deal with. I just want the fun part, and then I want to leave the hard part to everybody else. But God dealt with me over that, and he said, You're, in order for you, to, for this to, to be something that I'm, I'm counting as righteousness to you, you've got to have the right attitude. My son, Ben, he used to, he hasn't done it in a long time, but he used to just make me so mad because I, I would do something nice for him. <laughs> and then I would, I did this nice thing for you. And then he would come up and he'd go, thank you. You just got your reward. <laughs> because you know, the Bible says if we demand our thanks and, and the acknowledgement here, we don't get it in heaven. I wish I hadn't, I wish he hadn't learned that. I don't know if I taught it to him or someone else in here did, but thanks a lot. <laughs> but it's true. But we're supposed to love and serve each other. We're supposed to do it even when someone doesn't act thankful. We're supposed to do it even when they act rude. It, people have bad days. People have hard days. And, and we're not excused from loving them just because they're having a hard day and they were rude or ungrateful. We're just supposed to love each other. 
But this article just was weighing on me. I mean, the majority of people in this country are very unimpressed by Christians. And it occurred to me that I'm the reason why. Because so much of my loving and my serving is conditional and based upon whether or not you show me the proper amount of gratitude and whether or not you acknowledge me and whether or not I I feel good emotionally after it's over with. That's not loving and serving people. We want to love and serve, but we don't want it to be hard. And that's not how it works. In Luke chapter 6, verse 32, it says, If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Okay, this is talking about unbelievers. If, if we should be that kind and good to unbelievers, then we should be even more so to one another. Right. You know, years and years and years ago, I heard Pastor talk about, uh, this was when we were in the other building, and I never did forget this. He was talking about, um, you know, about wanting favors from people and, and, and different things. And, 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 you know, when we go to church with someone expecting that they would, you know, if they own a business, they should get, give us some sort of special favor because we go to church with them. Or if they're in our family, they should give us a favor because we go to church with them. I'm not saying that's wrong, but what I'm telling you is, is we as the receivers, we should want to pay them and pay them well. We should want to bless them in a mighty way instead of expecting something from them. And I remember him saying that, and I remember thinking, that I've thought wrong about that my whole life. If, if, if I know someone, hopefully they'll give me a good deal. Well, that's not wrong. But what I'm saying is I should be looking at that as an opportunity to bless someone that I love. That's a... That's the way God is t- w- trying to teach us to love each other. Loving people's always a risk. It was a risk for God. Yeah. And it panned out well for him with us. But there's a world full of people out there that, that the risk was not, I mean, he didn't get anything in return. But it didn't stop him from loving them. And it didn't stop him from serving them. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Imitate God in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. There's a tough word in that passage, and that word is sacrifice. And sacrifice is a word that should, we want to, we call it sacrifice when we have to like give up a Saturday to do something we don't want to do. That's not sacrifice. Sacrifice is something that hurts, that costs us something. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for sacrifice is korban. And that word, do you know what it actually means? It means draw close. So when we sacrifice ourselves, we're actually drawing near to God. 
We're giving him something to work with for which we can build our relationship on. So when I'm doing for this person over here and I'm sacrificing in my own life to do it, I'm actually drawing near to God. Vine's uh, expository dictionary of Old and New Testament words talk, says this about love. It says, love can be known only from the actions it prompts. Love can be known only by the actions that it prompts. See, love is, an, is a noun, agape love, that's a noun, that's a thing. But we know that it exists, how? By the things it causes us to do. So it, if it prompts us to action, to serve someone else, then that's how we know that our love is real. In 1 John 4, 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God is love. That's his nature. That's who he is. But guess what? If you're saved, that's your nature too. You have that kind of love inside you. So to, to make excuses for why you can't love people, it, it, it falls short if you're saved because God has given you his love in your heart. Now, is it easy? No, because we're still trying to, to become more like Christ. And that takes getting our mind in order. That takes transforming our mind with the word of God, washing our mind with his word. But the fact of the matter is that we have got to love people and it will be a risk when we do it just like it was a risk when God did. So people are open to the message of Jesus. They're open to the word of God, but they're not open to us. And I think the reason is because they don't see us treating each other differently. They don't see anything different than what they see in the world. And we make excuses for not loving, not serving people instead of just doing what God says. God, I mean, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And he says, all who love me will do what I say. Well, if he says to love each other, then we've got to do that. And, and our actions will show that we love people. See, I want people to be drawn to Christ I was thinking about that song that we were singing earlier, How He Loves, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. Well, people should be drawn to redemption by the grace in ours. But when we are griping and murmuring and complaining, when we don't have fullness of joy, what are they drawn to? We've got to look different. And, and I think this Christmas season would be the, the best time to start. I think that we all have family that's not easy to love. Every single one of us can think of someone that we're going to have to deal with this Christmas season that's not easy to love. But that's no excuse not to love. We have people that it's not easy to serve. No matter what you do for them, they just want more. Serve them anyway. See, we have to love people by faith. Yeah. 
See, I have to believe that God knows what's best. And when he tells me to do it, that it's going to, the best possible outcome is for me to just do it. Even if I don't get the result that I think I should get. I've got to believe that God knows best. That's the faith part of loving other people. I've got to believe God. I've got to know that he has my best interest at heart. And I've got to know that at the end of the day, I can put my head on a pillow and sleep peacefully because I did what God says. If you love me, keep my commandments. And my commandment is this, love each other. I just want us to, to, to take that message, to just chew on that idea and see where we can apply it in our own lives as we go through this Christmas season. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.